When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Evan Lazar here, Patriots insider and host of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. As always, our content is powered by our exclusive wagering partners, betonline.ag. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% off your welcome deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barr. Sorry for the late start here today guys uh r.i.p to gino capaletti uh, absolute legend of the patriots for years broadcaster a- afl star really the true very the very first star player i would say yeah him and bo Pelini were kind of the two first stars of new england on on the football field so r.i.p to gino we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show uh, but well, I, no, let's just let's let's do it off the top let's let's give the man his due and he deserves it sure. After sure. all, the Hall of Fame has not given him his due. He is arguably, uh, he is, if you ask me, the biggest, outside of the weird baseball steroid stuff, the biggest yeah. Hall of Fame snub in professional sports. Uh, Mr. Patriot, he uh, played for the Patriots for 10 years throughout their AFL era, 1960 to 1970, was on the original team, was a five-time All-Star, was the AFL MVP in, in 1963. He was also, he retired as, and technically still is, and always will be, the AFL's leading scorer. When you talk about professional football leagues, the AFL is second to the NFL, and he led that league in scoring. He held the Patriots' all-time scoring record until 2005 for 35 years. He's also he's still top 10 all-time on the team in receptions. He's 12th all-time in receiving yards. After that, he moved into the booth, right, where he worked with the late Gil Santos. Yeah, They worked together 28 years. 585 games, six Super Bowls. All of those are NFL records for broadcast duo. Um, for so many people our age, and really a lot of people, they, you know, he was the voice of the Patriots for 28 of the first 40 years. Um, but, you know, growing up with the with the early 2000s teams popping in the Super Bowl DVDs, all of that, um, him and Gil, who has also since passed, Gil died in 2018. Um, really the, the voice, the soundtrack, the soundtrack of the early Patriots dynasties. Um, and you look at, you know, the last 18 months, cause I've been doing some reflecting on this for us growing up in that, in that era where, where Boston yeah. sports was so dominant. Uh, you know, it was Tommy Heinsohn calling the Celtics, Jerry Remy on the Red Sox and in Gino Capaletti doing the Patriots. Those were three voices we heard a lot uh, as kids and all, all have passed now in the last 18 years. So, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a really sad one. He was 89 years old. Um, but a guy who I think 
when, when you talk about the, the history of the New England Patriots and really the history of professional football, the modern era of professional football, somebody who gets overlooked quite a bit and certainly deserves his due. And I'm happy he gets it today. And I hope he gets it more going forward. Well said. And I think the bummer about it is, is that you just, you almost hope now that he, they don't put him in now that he's passed because he deserved to be there. Right. He deserved well, I to be still there. Hope they put him in, but you're right. He deserved to see him. You know what I'm saying? It. Right. He, he deserved to be there. He deserved right. to give the speech. He deserved to go through the whole process. And as good as I think it would feel for Patriots nation and for his family uh, to still see him get into the pro football hall of fame, it would just be a bummer that he wouldn't be able to live it himself as he yeah. deservedly was supposed to do. You mentioned Tommy Heinsohn. You mentioned Jerry Remy. I, I think Gino Capaletti is in that same category of player, then becomes broadcaster. And a lot like Jerry Remy for the Red Sox, I would say. And, and Tommy too, Mr. Celtic, Mr. Red Sox, Mr. Patriot, right? Those three right. guys were really, that was who those people were. Uh, to New England, to the area. And I just will never forget, you mentioned it a, a couple of times, listening to Gil Santos and Gino Capaletti, that, that's what you did, right? I mean, I can't tell you how many right. times in the early 2000s watching the games with my dad and my sister that we would shut off the TV broadcasters and put the radio on just because we wanted to hear Gil and Gino uh, call the games. That, that was a mainstay in our house uh, for the early 2000s. So it's a sad one. It's a tough one, just like Jerry and, and Tommy Heinsohn uh, was for this region. And I, again, I really hope that they get they do the right thing, even now that he's passed, and put Gino Capaletti where he deservedly belongs to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I think for years, the Patriots have kind of had a stigma against them for some reason with the Hall of Fame voters. I, I think that the Belichick era has put a little bit of that stink on them as well, but they got Richard Seymour in, they got Ty Law in, you know, I, I think that there is a door that's opening a little bit more now for Patriots Hall of Famers and certainly Brady and, and more guys to come. So uh, Gino Capaletti, RIP. I'm glad we did that off the top of the show, Alex. That was a good call. Yeah. And um, you know, everything else here today that we talk about, it, it's kind of a, a bummer of a damper of a day. That's usually very exciting. Uh, with yep. the schedule release i also hope that and i'm sure that they will they'll, they'll wear some sort of patch or I'm a sure, helmet yeah. decal or something all next year and so honor if they do money. that will be the first time the number 20 appears on a patriots uniform since gino retired in 1970 they, he was the first one to wear that number 20 and nobody's worn it since so if you ever wonder why why you know it seems like a pretty common number the patriots never have it that's why but yeah i'm sure there'll be a yeah. patch i'm sure there'll be something week one all of that or i guess week two yeah. they're on the road week one yeah, so speaking of that, on the road week one, we can segue now into the schedule release, and we're going to go through all the leaks that we've heard so far. At this point, we pretty much pieced together all of the major components of the Patriots schedule. We're still waiting on the bye week, but other yeah, than that, that we have one. some of the big primetime games. We have the season opener. We have the game in Vegas later on in the year, and then we're also at the end of the other show going to touch on Jared Stidham and that trade and the writing was on the wall there. It's not like anybody's surprised or blown away or disappointed that they traded Jared Sidham, but we'll still talk about the ins and outs of that deal as well. But let's start with the schedule opening up in week one down in Miami in South beach at hard rock stadium against the Miami dolphins third consecutive year. They'll open the year against Miami this time though, down in Miami versus it being up at Gillette stadium for the last two seasons. What are your thoughts on this one? Because 
I, I initially said, I'm glad they're getting it out of the way early, right? I think it's better to go down there in September than let's say de- December or January, where the shock to the system with the weather swing might be a little bit more drastic, but other people have different feelings on this just because of how hot it is down there in Miami in early September. Are you a little bored by this too, Alex? Cause I feel like they could have shaken it up a little bit, you know, three consecutive years against the dolphins. I, I think we could have changed it up a little bit if I'm the schedule makers. I think what's really crazy is I, you know, I started covering the team in 2017. You start in 2018. Yeah. I just kind of got used to the fact that they opened at home, right? Yeah. It just, you know, it, maybe that yeah. felt more routine than it should have. First time since 2016, they're going to open on the road. Uh, it's never easy going down to Miami. That is one of the best natural home field advantages in the NFL. Uh, I, there, You know, you certainly got the heat elements of it. I think that's fair. I think the best time to go to Miami is probably late October. Although the right. Patriots have some ugly memories in late October in Miami as they do much on the whole calendar, but um, yeah, I'd rather get out of the way early, uh, you know, probably rather five, six week, five, six, seven, something like that. But, uh, the other thing is that game is going to be a tone setter. And I know we said that last year and then Miami turned out to not really be who we thought they were. Oh, they, they came on strong at the end, I guess. So maybe they yeah. were, but, um, you know, week one, week 17, uh, uh, two impact weeks for a gate games that will have massive implications. I guarantee you whatever happens in week one, like we did this past year, right? We're talking about how close that game was then, man, if they just don't fumble at the end, the Patriots probably win the division. Right. Right. I think you have a similar thing here, setting it up. Um, I'd rather open against Miami than the bills for sure. The jets are the team that really bore me. I have no interest in opening up against the jets, put the jets in as throwaway games. That's what they are. That's what that team is. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it in terms of opening. I like opening in the division too. I like, I think you want to have three of those divisional games as early as possible. And then the other three as late as possible. I don't want to do anything with the division in October or November because then you give them as two different looks as possible. So I ultimately like it. I think it's going to be a great schematic chess match between Bill Belichick and Mike McDaniel. I know there yeah. is some uncertainty there of how exactly Mike McDaniel is going to run that offense, but you know, it's going to have 49ers implications right it's gonna have 49ers tea leaves or whatever you want to call it outside zone maybe some inside zone using that horizontal speed of Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill the Patriots have talked all offseason and I get that in the draft they didn't exactly go out and aggressively pursue speed in the front seven but all offseason the conversations that we've had with Matt Groh have been about speed speed and speed on all in all phases, but on defense specifically coming out of the gate with Miami is as much speed as they're going to see all year. So we'll see if that defense with what I would project to probably be a lot of safeties on the field, right? I think they're going to probably play with at least three, if not four safeties at, at some times in those dime packages. We'll see if those guys, Jabril Peppers, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar can hold up in the box, can run with Miami right out of the gate. And it'll be interesting to see how Mike McDaniel builds that scheme. If it's much different than what he was running in San Francisco under Kyle Shanahan, if it's more of the same and they're essentially just 49ers Southeast, right. Or or what way they go about it uh, down there in Miami. 
it's a tough draw. I think looking at it from the other perspective, I know we talk a lot about the house of horrors and hard rock stadium and the Patriots record down in Miami and how poorly they've played at times down in Miami. But if you're Mike McDaniel right out of the shoot, you have to face the greatest head coach of all time. So I don't think it's a very much, very easy matchup from the dolphins perspective either, because as much as they might have schematic advantages over the Patriots and speed advantages, this is the first time Mike McDaniel is calling the shots in an NFL game. So if that game is close late, I'm interested to see how he manages the game. Is he different than, than his mentor, right? Is he different than Kyle Shanahan? I know you get on Kyle Shanahan's case a lot, Alex, about his end of game management. Well, let's see if he's not good at it. Yeah. Let's see if Mike McDaniel can get out of the the playbook and out of the uh, play sheet and actually manage a football game against one of the best game managers in the league and Bill Belichick. So I'm interested in some of the schematic things, but I, I just would have liked to have seen a game with a little bit more juice in, in that spot. I, I think the one game you mentioned that we've been covering the team you from since 17, me since 18. I remember in 19, it was Pittsburgh week one at Gillette when Pittsburgh was still Pittsburgh, right? When they still had Big right. Ben and Le'Veon and Antonio Brown. That was a really fun week one game. Like that was like, let's go out and do this, right? Well, they didn't have Antonio Brown at the time, I guess, but so they the had Patriots, the uh, Yeah. No, the Patriots yeah. had Antonio Brown at the time. Yeah. Patriots had Antonio Brown. Messed that one up. But but they just it just felt like it had a little bit more juice. I, I think that that game was just more fun to me. I, I don't know. I'm getting kind of sick of seeing the Dolphins in week one. But nevertheless, I, I, I don't mind it a, a, all that much from a game plan right out of the shoe type of perspective from a win loss perspective. I think it's a fine game to have. I just, you know, how many more times is the schedule maker is going to give us the dolphins in week one, uh, whether it's here or there, it just seems like it's a little bit redundant at this point, but moving on from the dolphins in week one, I think the next big one on the schedule, at least that we know of so far, because we don't know the bills games yet. So uh, we'll get to those uh, next show, but the next one that I think is the big one is Lambeau Uh, green Bay against the Patriots in week four, Aaron Rodgers against Bill Belichick, 425 kick in Lambeau, that game of the week on Sunday afternoon. I know there's a lot of discussions among Patriots fans about going out to Vegas to see the Patriots play the Raiders and Josh McDaniels later on in the season, and we'll get to that in a second. But if I'm a Patriot fan, if you've never been to Lambeau and, and you want to book one trip with your guy, with your boys and go out to a game or your girls and go out to a game, I know that Vegas is the more fun trip to make in terms of it's Vegas, but if you're a football fan, if you're a football historian of any kind, going to Lambeau field is as good as it gets. I mean, that's the Coliseum. That's the Mecca in a lot of ways of the NFL. So uh, if you're looking to book a road trip with your friends to see the Patriots on the road this year, my tickets to Lambeau. I I just, I feel like that's gotta be the one that you got to go to. Yeah, I'd agree. If you're doing and look, I've never been to Vegas, but uh, if you're doing Vegas, you do Vegas. You don't go to Vegas to right. see a football game. You go to Vegas exactly. to do Vegas, right? I would love to. You don't need to go to play. Vegas to see a football game, right? You don't need right. the football game to bring you to Vegas. I, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. My bucket list of stadiums I'd want to go to. Lambeau's definitely at the top of my NFL list. It's probably top three. Uh, of my total list. I actually might get to yeah. check two off this year because the Patriots don't play Thanksgiving weekend. Hopefully going to the iron bowl. We'll see how, if that works out. Um, but yeah, you got to go to Lambo. I mean, that's an all time, you know, 
sports cathedral. That is that right. is football, and not just that. Like something about the the four twenty five kickoff. You know, mid October, Green Bay, Lambeau yeah. Field. The leaves are going to be turning. The air is going to be crisp. That just that just. It, how can you not get romantic about football to quote their quarterback, right? That just, just saying that sentence just feels yeah. loses football. Like I can feel that breeze hit my face when I talk about that. I'm so into it. So yeah, that, that, that's the, that's the one that I would, I would go to for sure. Yeah. That's the thing that I, I what you said at the beginning there, you can go to Vegas at any time of year. You don't need a football game to bring you to have fun in Vegas. Right. right? Yeah. Like that, that's, that's a great time, no matter where you're going or why you're going out there to the desert. It, there's nothing like Lambeau Field, and you're not going to go to Green Bay, and you're not going to go to Lambeau if, if you're not going for a game. Like, there's no point. There's nothing drawing you to that area unless you're going for a football game. That would be early on in the season. I think last year, to a degree, even just going toe-to-toe with Tom Brady and giving the Patriots a chance to win in Week 4 against the Bucks last year was – a coming out of sorts for Mac Jones, but to beat Aaron Rodgers on the road in his own stadium, that would also be, I think, a monumental, you know, get over the hump type of game for Mac Jones and the Patriots. Do you give them any chance in that game though? Yeah, I think so. Cause I mean, really at this point, what does Rodgers have around him? Yeah. He, that that roster feels so shredded. And somebody in the chat mentions that, you know, what are the Patriots going to do against that rushing attack? And I think that that's fair. But beyond that, I, I I think that'll ultimately be a close game. I don't know that I'd pick the Patriots straight up right now. I mean, we're still too far out. But I think that game will be closer than some people realize. Yeah, I agree as well. I think that there's a real talent deficiency compared to what we've seen in Green Bay in the past at the receiver position. Obviously, Devontae Adams no longer in the building. But even sneaky losses like Marquez Valdez-Scantling – I think that's one player too that is just somebody that Rodgers is comfortable throwing the football to and, and can stretch the field and give you some problems with his size. That Green Bay receiving core is not the same. It's going to really put Aaron Rodgers to the test to see how much of an MVP he truly is. So I'm interested in that game. Fascinated to see what the Patriots can pull out on the road in a really tough environment. I want to take a second to shout out our friends at betonline.ag. Our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Some other games that we have here, uh, week five against the Lions. That's a Sunday 1 p.m. kick. Not a ton of juice to that one. Week seven against the Chicago Bears on well, so Monday night. I'll, I'll say this about that yeah. Lions game. Yeah. Here, there's not a lot of juice. I think Detroit, that's a huge game for them because it's their first time facing Patricia. And let's not forget what he did to that franchise, right? Fair enough. Where yeah. they were when he came in, remember they were like a borderline playoff team. They were as good as they'd been in a long time and to where they are now. We might not talk a lot about that, but I think in Detroit, and I even think nationally, 
especially if Patricia ends up being the offensive coordinator, there's yeah. going to be some buzz for that. There, there's a revenge angle there for the Detroit Lions. Don't I don't know that it's a trap game, but storyline, that's like a sneaky good game. I wouldn't sleep on yeah. that. I don't think the Patriots really have trap games anymore because – Oh, they quite so do. Frank, quite, that quite Atlanta frank, game last year? I don't know. I just think, quite frankly, they're not really in a spot to be in a trappy situation. Like, every – they could lose a game to any team, right? Like, they're not good enough. They're not the Brady Patriots where it's they're playing down to an opponent and they're in a trap game. I think in this, this like, iteration of their rebuild, this point of their rebuild – everybody's an opponent, right? Everybody's is somebody that could beat them on any given Sunday. So I don't know if they're quite in trap game territory. Maybe we disagree on that, but I, I feel like that's what you say about teams like the Brady era Patriots. Like they, they run into trap games that they're playing teams that are a lot worse than them at week seven against Chicago Monday night. So there football. Is, can I, can I slide another one in? Cause it's very annoying. Yes. So uh, our buddy burned over it. Pat's pulpit, right? Yeah. Nothing official until the NFL makes it so, but there's some whispers. Streets, Bills, Gillette Stadium, week 13, Thursday night football. So the two rumors of the Bills, I I mentioned that we didn't hear anything about the Bills. It sounds like Bills are in week 13 and week 18. I'm not, we're not exactly sure when those games will be played in terms of timing, right? Like Thursday night, Sunday, whatever. Week 18 is going to be a default one o'clock game. If that's right. the case, and then it right, can get right, flexed. Right. Good point. Um, so, uh, week eighteen and week thirteen is sounding like where we're the Patriots are going to play the Bills. So, uh, we'll get to that though. Let's let's go through it. Okay, week by I, I want to bitch about that. So, okay, uh, week seven Bears Patriots. This is Monday Night Football. Obviously, going to be touted as two 2021 first round quarterbacks going up against one another, and Justin Fields drafted not that many picks ahead of Mac Jones, right? Just five picks ahead of Mac or four picks, sorry, ahead of Mac Jones. Yeah. So there's definitely going to be some fields Jones. That's going to be the, the big ESPN, you know, when they put up the graphic before right. the game, right. It's going to be Mac versus Justin Fields. Do you, does this game have any, any juice to you though? Because the bears I think are, are in a really bad spot. Now maybe Eberflus turns that culture around, but I'm not too concerned about uh, Buffalo, about Chicago in that week seven game, especially here at Gillette. Yeah, I'm really surprised. This game screamed Thursday night to me where you have that kind of player storyline, but it's not, you know, at least the Bears aren't a quality opponent. Um, But clearly they want to play up that that Mac Jones, Justin Fields thing. And yeah, I'm interested because how many months did we spend last year? We kind of knew right away, right, that it was going to be Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson, for whatever reason, and then and then uh, Trey Lance, we knew that right. it was going to come down to Justin Fields and Mac Jones. And how many times did we have that debate? How many months did we have that debate for last year? I know, you know, they'll say, well, we don't, we're not on the field at the same time. We don't play each other. They, I, that's going to be kind of interesting to me. I there is some juice to that. Also, uh, let's let's not forget Demir Bird's homecoming. Like I'm a big, I, I always feel bad because I feel like we always end up ragging on Demir Bird. He was a good yeah. player. He's still a good player. Yeah. He has a role. He's an NFL player. I'm looking forward to seeing Demir Bird again. Make fun of me for it if you want. I'm kind of into that. So he is still on the Bears, right? Yeah. Uh, Might is not he? be after I said all that. No, no it's I, all the I think Falcons. Was... No Demir yeah. Bird homecoming this year. All right. So that knocks it down a little bit. But yeah, I'm into Mac Jones, Justin Fields. I'm ready for that. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit like Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence at the end of last year, where one player is 
in a Ferrari and the other players in a Toyota Corolla, right? I mean, I, I think yeah. it's a little bit like that uh, for Justin Fields, but I'll be the first one to admit it. I know some people have already admitted it for me. I was a big Justin Fields guy last year. I, I wanted the Patriots to to draft Justin Fields. I had him rated over Mac Jones. I think the situations are very different. It's kind of apples to oranges to compare what Justin Fields has walked into versus Mac Jones being with Bill Belichick. But on the whole, we I have been wrong, right? I've been wrong about that evaluation. And Mac Jones certainly looked like the better quarterback as a rookie, but I think the bigger question is, is what do those guys look like in year four, year five, once we start to get into their NFL careers? Because I think we knew that Mac was probably going to be the best rookie. But what was Justin Fields' potential? What was Trey Lance's potential? Uh, what was all those guys' potentials in the long term? Maybe a little bit higher than Mac. So uh, I'm interested to see what Justin Fields looks like in year two. There were some good moments, but there was also some bad. And I think some of that was the scheme and was the playmakers around him. But I think you can use the same caveats for Mac Jones as well. So we'll see uh, what ends up happening in that one. Moving on to Thanksgiving. Uh, this is not a surprise to me at all. I, I kind of saw this coming a mile away. The Patriots haven't played on Thanksgiving in a decade. Uh, we will get Patriots Minnesota in Minnesota on Thanksgiving night. You get your turkey in, you get your stuffing in, and then you can watch the Patriots play in prime time on Thanksgiving night. The first time the Patriots have played on Thanksgiving since the butt fumble in 2012. So it's been a long time since they've played on Thanksgiving. I'm disappointed that this is a road Thanksgiving game though. That's tough, right? That's tough for the players. Uh, that's tough for us media. Uh, if we do travel to the game that you got to be away from your family on Thanksgiving. I, but I think fans on the whole probably will like that they're playing on Thursday. Yeah, I already, I called my dad. I was like, I can't believe they're playing Thanksgiving. Like, I love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's yeah. like top two holiday for me. It's tied with 4th of July. And I called my dad. I was like, I don't want to work on Thanksgiving. Oh, poor you. You got work in sports. So I'm going to yeah. try not, I'm going to try hard not to complain about it too much. Yeah. Um, it is what I would call an inconvenience. Uh, I, I generally don't travel to the road games. That's not necessarily what, what my, my job is at 98.5. So I, I would actually rather the road game than the home game because I can still watch the first two, maybe cut back a little bit on the eating and drinking. So I'm actually awake at 830 uh, <laughs> on Thanksgiving night. But the thing I don't get, like like you said, you know, makes a ton of sense. The Patriots are going to play on Thanksgiving. They haven't done it in 10 years and, and they're, you know, still a national brand. All that. Why is it Patriots Vikings? Yeah. What is that, a weird one. that game has like, you want to talk about juice. There's no juice there. And yeah. It was generally because they're coming off a short week. They're generally not good games. So normally the NFL tries to shoehorn in some other storyline, right? Like that's where Mac Jones, Justin Fields, like put that game Thursday, right. Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, right? Um, and like any other game, really. I, I thought Patriots Raiders, maybe Thanksgiving night could end up making sense. And then they could do the, the Sunday to Thursday with the Arizona trip and double those up like they did LA a couple years ago. Um, I, I, I have... No idea why this game is on Thanksgiving night. I see no juice in this matchup. The Patriots haven't lost to the Vikings since 2000. Belichick's first year. I think they're 4-0 since. Maybe the juices. It's the Patriots' first game back in that stadium. First time in that stadium since Super Bowl 52. Right. right? Like that. It's their first time there officially as the visitor. I, I don't know. It's that, I think, is probably going to be the bigger, biggest storyline from a TV perspective. And then on Twitter, you know you're going to get all the jokes about Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins being the same person, right? Like, that, those are the two storylines that I can come up with is how many people 
over even juice, though. I'm not saying it's juice, but I'm just saying it's content, right? Like how many people over the last couple of years have compared Mac Jones and said he's Kirk Cousins, right? Like like everybody under the sun has used that player comp at one point in time for Mac Jones. Uh, it'll be interesting to see that what that game does bring at that point of the season too, because the Vikings at that point of the year, I think they were pretty much out of it last year in terms of the playoff contention. We'll see about what the Patriots are like this year, obviously a better division and things like that. The one other thing I'll say about it, just from a, a selfish perspective, I don't even know if I can eat Turkey on Thanksgiving now because I'm one of those people that downs a bunch of Turkey and then falls asleep. Right. I mean, I, I thought I, you I don't like Turkey. I thought we had this debate. I don't really like Turkey, not Thanksgiving Turkey. And, and second of all, like I just said, if I do eat Thanksgiving Turkey, not only do we have to be up at 8.30 and be on our game, but then we also have to work after the game in our job, right, and and report on the what happened in the right. game. I have to be on a post-game show. I have to write. I mean, forget about it. If I'm doing all of that on Thanksgiving uh, trip to fan, I'm going to be done, right? Uh, around 10.30, so 11 o'clock, I'm going to be falling asleep. So you do Thanksgiving on Friday. Like, that's what I'm going to – I mean, I'm going to try to force my family yeah. to do that. I, I, I would – sucks though is so i'm looking at that like all right at least i get that whole weekend off right and you know into the next week and i can kind of just shift my thanksgiving break but now there's a report out there that the patriots are gonna be on thursday night football the next week so right. you don't actually get the short week there i want i want to i want to go to alabama i want to go to the i just want to want to go to the iron bowl just give me one week 12 by that's all i look for that's the first thing that's the only thing i ever look for i want the week 12 by it's in tuscaloosa this year it's at Bryant. i'm sorry i'm i'm bitching about my personal problems but why this why is what back the schedule back? is all about why do you have look to do the that? schedule really that doesn't true. matter the schedule is all I, about I, personal problems, 100%. No, that's a really good point. I think we're reporters. Yeah. It's our job to keep you know ourselves out of the story. But this is the one time of year where I just want to go to the Iron Bowl, man. I, 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 I just want to see it. It's a spectacle. I just want to go. It, this is for anybody, whether it's us, whether it's people watching and, and people listening. This is The schedule has really nothing to do about like the, the players don't really care when they play teams, right? A schedule is the schedule, right? But what right. really matters is, is when's the bye week? Are you playing on Thanksgiving? Are you playing on Christmas? Are you playing on New Year's? How does the whole schedule kind of work out for your personal life? Honestly, like that's the biggest thing, right. even to the players and the coaches, I would say, uh, that, that look at the schedule when it comes out. So uh, definitely not doing a vegan Thanksgiving. No, 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 no. We can't have that. But yeah, energy drinks, maybe a late coffee run. Uh, we're going to have to incorporate some caffeine in my diet on Thanksgiving if I'm going to cover a game on Thursday night, as it sounds like I am. So moving on here to week 13, you just mentioned it, Alex. Good segue. That's a pro segue right there. Is uh, Sounds like it's going to be the Buffalo Bills in week 13, and it sounds like the Patriots are going to be playing back-to-back -back Thursday night games. So in some ways, it's not terrible because it's – the same time off, right? You're, you're going week to week, just like you would go Sunday to Sunday. But this is going to be an interesting little sequence there for the Patriots. You're on the road for Thanksgiving. Then you play the biggest game of the year to date, at least, uh, against the Buffalo Bills in week 13. It sounds like a TNF game. It's a little late in the year to play Buffalo, but I think they played Buffalo this late last time too, right? It was yeah. week, last year's week 13, week 16, something like that. So not yeah. too different from what it was last season. 
Yeah, I'm a little surprised they're not playing earlier. I thought, you know, Patriots-Bills made a ton of sense as the Sunday night opener, right? Yeah. You know, kind of cash in on that. You're not guaranteed it's going to be a rivalry again, right? One team may right. totally fall off the face of the earth, and one team may not be a contender anymore. And if the Bills are out of it, what fun really are those games? So, I, you know, I, I'm i a little surprised they didn't bump them up earlier. That tells me they have confidence that both teams will be in contention down the road. So, it, and if not, then who cares? And it's just another game. So, uh, but yeah, I'm a little surprised one of them's not earlier in the season. Yeah, it, this is a, a going to be an interesting game for the Patriots because I was there in Buffalo in the windstorm in the uh, Patriots win over the Bills in that weird, wacky tornado game that they had there last year. And when you came off the field of that game and when you were in the locker room and talking to the players after that game, it felt like they 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 felt like they were um, unbeatable at that point, right? They were during in the midst of a really long winning streak. Uh, they come in there, they beat the Bills in their home stadium, and that's that point. They never recaptured that, right? It, it, it never really got back up. And based off of what we have heard and kind of piecing together some of the leaks, Week Twelve sounds like it's Minnesota on Thanksgiving. Week Thirteen. It sounds like it's Buffalo in Buffalo uh, on thanks on uh, Thursday night, or not necessarily in Buffalo, but on Thursday night. It wouldn't surprise me if the Patriots then have a bye in Week 14 this year again, and then they have that Week 15 out in Las Vegas against the Raiders. It's setting up very similarly for the Patriots as it did last year, where even if you get a statement win in Buffalo, then you have the whole bye week thing again, and you're you get a little bit worried about them letting go of the rope again, like they did last year. I, I think too. I mean, I was kind of looking for Vegas and Arizona are both kind of heavy trips, right? Yeah. Remember in 2020 when they had, you know, the two games in LA, right? They play, I don't remember which order they played them. I think they played the chargers first, right? They played the chargers on Sunday night and then yes. they had the Rams on Thursday, like the next week. So they could do it as a one-off. I was kind of thinking and hoping we might get that with Arizona and Vegas. I know they're not in the same stadium close, but those are, I believe, the only two West Coast road trips, right? You know, in 2020, they also had to go out to Seattle. They did that earlier in the year, but knocked those two out in one. Now it looks like they've got to do two separate West Coast road trips. You hope those are spaced out. Obviously, we're keeping an eye on when that Arizona game is. You want it within yeah. the first six or seven weeks of the season, depending on when the Cardinals buy is for the DeAndre Hopkins suspension. But, uh, yeah, I, I Thursday night, Thursday night buy. In late thank in late November, early December, that sucks because a lot of this, and I think this was part of it last year. I hardly think it was the only reason they collapsed. I don't think it was the main reason they collapsed, but we know this pro athletes are, are creatures of habit. We all are, but pro athletes, they like their habit. They like their routines, all of that. The Patriots went through a stretch at the end of last season where it was like Monday night or it was Thanksgiving week. So like Thanksgiving week and Christmas week, even if you play Sunday at one, the week is different. Because of the right. holidays. So they right. had like, I think it was Thanksgiving week, Monday night, bye. And then I think it was Saturday night, another, they, they had like six weeks in a row where they didn't have a normal week. So now yeah. you get into your routine and then all of a sudden you go Thursday night, Thursday night, bye, Sunday night, West Coast trip. And then you're all out of whack. You totally lo lose your routine down the stretch. Like that sucks. They should overcome it. Good teams would overcome that, but it's not ideal. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. You mentioned the Cardinals. I think there are some murmurs about the Cardinals being late in the year too. So we might get that Raiders Cardinals back to back, maybe week 15, week 16 
And I, I well, would the definitely Cardinals, expect... it can't be week 16. I have it written down here. I don't know what the Cardinals are doing week 16, but I have it written okay, down. Okay. So maybe, maybe that week 14 by, I was premature on that. Maybe that's going to be right. unless the week 14, unless, you know, unless week 14 is a buy, the only way they go back to back is Arizona 14, Vegas 15. But then you have right. Thursday night, Thursday night, and then you probably go and spend the week on, and then, and then West coast. And then you probably spend the week on the West coast. They'll probably right. stay out there like they've done in the past. So they're going to yeah. have this same thing again down the stretch here where the routine is going to get snapped right around Thanksgiving. So the one thing I would say about Arizona being later in the year, and somebody said this in the chat, I think it's a great point. Playing Kyler Murray in late in the year is when you want to play Kyler Murray. Oh, right? yeah, like that's, that's true. Too. That's Kyler Murray, when you look at his stats from uh, first half of the season, second half of the season, it is stark. It is pretty remarkable how much that guy falls off in the second well, half of the year. So if you're going to play Kyler Murray, it's it's not just Kyler Murray. If you look at Cliff Kingsbury going back to when he was at Texas Tech with, with Patrick Mahomes, yeah. he couldn't win after Thanksgiving. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury does not win football games after Thanksgiving. He doesn't do it. There's something in the laws of physics that he can't do it. So yeah, I you know you want the Cardinals either really early or really late. You want them in September or you want them in December. That's pretty much what you want. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, where they play that Arizona game. I, I want it late, like I said, just for the Kyler, Cliff Kingsbury. That's a good point, too, Alex, factor there. It's almost like 2020. The Patriots played a hobbled Kyler Murray with a, a bad team, quite frankly, in 2020 and still got the yeah. win against a good Arizona team at the time because Kyler was playing on one leg. He had a, a rolled ankle. He had a sprained ankle issue, wasn't really able to run around like his normal self, and the Patriots ended up beating them here in New England, in Foxborough, uh, because of that. All right. So uh, week 15, I don't think we've talked about the, the McDaniels-Belichick Bowl yet. In Las Vegas, Belichick versus McDaniels, Sunday night football. This one's a lot of fun. I mean, I think this is the best game on the schedule just in terms of pure drama, right? Pure, pure theater, especially when you factor into the fact that Josh McDaniels took Dave Ziegler with him, took a bunch of Patriots assistant coaches with him on the offensive side of the ball. So this is like, this is a big revenge game for everybody, right? Josh McDaniels is going to want to stick it to Bill. Bill's going to want to stick it to Josh. Uh, this game's going to be a lot of fun. You also have to roll into that, that the Raiders now have Devontae Adams. Uh, that's going to be a big, big matchup problem for the Patriots, especially if they go into the season in, in week 15 are they have the cornerback room that they have. I, I mean, I guess Jalen Mills against uh, Devontae Adams with a safety over the top. Get ready for that. That's going to be, I don't know how that's going to work out for the Patriots, but week 15 in Vegas, Patriots, Raiders, McDaniels, Belichick. I, I, I think that one speaks for itself. I don't even know how much more you have to say about that one. Yeah. I will. So it'll be interesting because, it'll be late in the year. Like I remember when the Patriots played the Broncos the first time with McDaniels, that game was relatively early. It was, I think early October and it was still all very new. You know, the Raiders are going to be established as who they are at that point for better or worse. The Raiders are going to be who they are. And they, I, it, I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Like it, it both enhanced the idea. It, it, it dehances the idea that, that Josh McDaniels is, is, you know, the, Belichick tree because he's going to be kind of doing his own thing but it's yeah. also because of the history of the Belichick tree right like how successful is he really so I think that'll be interesting the other thing worth noting Derek Carr doesn't always stay healthy 
Jared Stidham? Well, I, I mean, he's the backup there now, is he not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about that trade in a second. But yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what that Raiders team looks like, especially for Derek Carr, because in some ways, I think Derek Carr has been become a little bit underrated. I think at times he was overrated in his career. Now he's maybe a little bit underrated. He's a top 10 15 quarterback right he's not he's not in the top 10 i'm not going to put him at eight or anything like that but i maybe put him at 11 or 12 or something along those lines but now is is put up or shut up time for Derek carr like if you can't get your team over the hump with Devonte adams on your roster and with darren waller and hunter renfro and all the dudes that they have catching passes from him then i, I think that the raiders are going to start to look about the long-term future at that position not in Jared Siddham's direction but certainly maybe another player in the draft or moving on from Derek Carr and acquiring picks or something along those lines. So it'll be interesting to see where we're at at week 15, like you said, Alex, with Derek Carr in the Raiders, because that team should be good. Yeah, That, that should be a playoff team. Uh, they should be a, an issue. They, they should be a problem for teams, especially on offense to match up against. As long as they piece it together defensively well enough, they should be a really, really good team. So it's going to be interesting to see what their record is once we get later on in the year there. So week 16, uh, some murmurs about this being the Bengals in, in week 16, the defending super, uh, AFC Ooh, champs. Like not, that. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting one. That's the Trags Bowl for us, though, right? Trags coming home. To, uh, oh, is that to, here? We get, do we get to see Trags? We get to see, well, that's I awesome. Yeah, we get to see Trags uh, week 16 in Foxborough. Uh, week 17 is also in Foxborough against the Miami Dolphins and the Patriots uh, reportedly wrap things up in week 18 against the Buffalo Bills. So that's sort of the end of the schedule there for you. Any of those games, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll have a lot of fun with the Trags Bowl. That's going to be our our highlight probably the whole yeah. regular season. But any of those games really stick out to you. I think week 18 against Buffalo could be at one o'clock if the Patriots have a good year and they're maybe uh, in contention for the division. That could be flexed, right? That could be a, a island yeah. game at, on Sunday night where the Bills probably still ahead of the Patriots by a game. But if the Patriots somehow win and get some uh, weird, you know, uh, permutations going, maybe they can still win the division. Technically, I could definitely see that Week 18 game against Buffalo being flexed into Sunday night. Look, it also be we don't know what Miami is. Let's say Miami comes out, right. they're clicking, right? That could be for wild card spot between the Patriots and the Bills. Very well could. So yeah, no, that's going to be a big game. I think that's a potential flex game. Um, yeah, I mean that one stands out. I think Cincinnati late is tough. Unless I, we'll yeah. see what the new offensive line looks like. How beat up is Burrow at that point of the year? But yeah, they did. Is, they did uh, get a lot better on that line though. Yeah. The interesting thing, this is the, if it all plays out this way, will be the first time the Patriots open and close like both on the road since 2016. It's just, yeah. I, it's a little tougher when you do that. It's a, those are big games. Those are big emotional games. It helps to be at home at, the, at those games. Patriots have had that for, for almost half a decade. Now, last year was the first time in four years they didn't close at home. And then this year will be the first time in five years. They don't open at home. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see. I think that week 18 game against Buffalo is going to be one that has the chance to have a lot of juice. We'll see if the Patriots. Look, hold it's interesting. Maybe the MVP race is close and, you know, for one of yeah. those quarterbacks and maybe Mac Jones just needs a little bit more to put him over the top. And, uh, you know, we'll see if the other guy can, can come in and pull off the upset. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see if that game has juice from a Patriots angle, right? Like Buffalo is going to be right, right there. 
they're going to be playing for something in week 18 or maybe nothing because they're resting all their guys because they've already clinched everything that they could possibly clinch. The Patriots got to hold up that end of the bargain to make that game in week 18 as fun as it could possibly be. So we'll see what ends up happening there. That's the rundown of the schedule. Uh, the bye week will be in there somewhere. We're still waiting on confirmation of when exactly the bye week will be. But Not week 12, that, though. Or that's 13. Kind of the, the, that's kind of the template. That's kind of the outline, if you will, of the Patriots schedule as we know it right now. And these are all confirmed leaks, I, I should say, from reputable reporters. We're not going off of well, no, they're 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 unconfirmed. They're unconfirmed because the official thing is at eight tonight. Sure, they're unconfirmed leaks from reputable reporters. We're not going off of you know, the, the, the NFL leaks underscore, right? Like that's not, that's not what we're going off of here. So hopefully uh, that that ends up being. So hang on, let's, let's run. So, so off the unofficial reports, we have games week one, four, five. We have six or no? Uh, No, I don't think we have six yet. So one, four, five, seven. Yes. 12. Do we then jump to 12? Yeah, 12, 15, and 17. 12, well, 12, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18. So yeah. right now for bye weeks, we're looking at 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 6, 8, 9, 10, 11, 14. I'll take I, – I, nine's the perfect buy. Nine, yes. or I think I said 10 too, right? Nine and 10, like that's – 9, 10, 11, that's where you want to be right there. You want it to be as close to the – you want it to be later in the season but as close to the middle as possible. So that's again with the 18 game season nine or 18 week season nine would be right in the middle. I'd take 10 and 11 too. Um, actually, not 11 because then you get shortchanged a, a long week because you're on Thursday night football the next week. So nine or 10, fingers crossed, nine or 10 for the bye week. Nine or 10 is the preferred bye week. And yeah. we want to talk about one more Patriots thing. We're going to talk a little Boston sports, but right now it kind of hurts to talk about. Oh, wait, no, we missed a huge thing with the schedule. We missed a huge thing. Okay. Oh no! What is schedule? Oh no! Generally, NFL teams will tie uniform news to the schedule release. This is the thing that happens around the league. The Patriots don't do it because they don't really have alternate uniforms. They got to go with the Reds on Thanksgiving, right? So, uh, so that's a road game. (laughs) Red and purple are too close. Minnesota hasn't worn white at home since 1964. They did it for three quarters of a game. They wore purple for the first quarter. They were white for the second three quarters. I Please don't know why, why they you know changed. That. Unfortunately, I don't have enough you know information that. here. Um, now, if they bring back the white throwbacks, oh, those things rule. They've worn them once since 1992. That could work. Patriots and white throwbacks on Thanksgiving. But the, the general point is when the Patriots put the schedule itself out, like when they officially do it, I, yeah. I wonder if whether it's today or maybe in the, you know, to start next week. I would think if the red jerseys are coming this year, which hasn't been confirmed, but there's been a ton of breadcrumbs. If the red jerseys are coming this year, I would think we know. I would think we find out by Tuesday's show. I, I would think that there's a strong chance that we know by by this time on Tuesday. And we will do the entire show on the Patriots uniforms. And I'll, what I'll wear mine again. Yeah, I'll wear my, I, remember wear I, I, I put it on. I have a Gerard Mayo. Uh, I have Gerard yeah. Mayo. I also have Steve Krogan that throwback too with the red i don't actually know if i have them here I, they might be at my parents i might have to grab them but um, oh i'll, I'll oh wear the red jersey when we get that confirmation okay all right all right so now now we can wrap up the schedule right now that you got your jersey talk yeah. out of the way we can wrap yeah. up the schedule People you want to talk about 
I got asked about that so many times. People want to know about that. Uh, it's honestly one of the number one questions I get also when I do mailbags and stuff like that is when we do Q&As, we always get at least one person that comes in here and asks us, what when are they wearing the throwbacks? Are they going to wear this color combination ever again? So people are interested. I'm not going to deny that. I, I can't deny that. All right. Jared Stidham. Uh, the Patriots this morning reportedly trading Jared Stidham to those Las Vegas Raiders uh, for a day three pick swap, a seventh round pick in Jared Stidham for a sixth round pick in 2023 is the official deal. Basically giving away Jared Stidham so they didn't have to cut him essentially is what going is going right. on here. No surprise whatsoever that the Patriots made this move after drafting Bailey Zappi. Really since 2019, the Patriots, there was some hope for Jared Stidham in that 19 training camp and preseason. He looked good as a rookie. I don't really think he ever really looked good after that, to be honest with you. 2020, he had some moments. And I, I think the, the thing is, is that you look at it individually, practice to practice. There were moments where Jared Sidham was the best quarterback on the field for the Patriots after Brady left in 2020 in particular with Cam. But then it just one practice, he would make like four or five ridiculous throws. Then we come back the next day at training camp and he had five interceptions, right? Like there was no consistency. It was waffling all over the place with Jared Sidham. I just think the lack of consistency is what ultimately spelled the end for Stidham here, even as a long-term backup low-end starter in terms of backing up a guy like Mac Jones. You just want, even out of the backup, uh, somebody that's a little bit more locked in and a little bit more consistent uh, with their ability to throw the football. And Jared Stidham just never really got there. And I think some of the, the articles all of us wrote, I mean, I won't speak for you, Alex, but I know I wrote once upon a time there. Jared Jared Stidham. Oh, right. Yeah. That was during that was your COVID your year. I wasn't there. Your yeah. hiatus. Oh my goodness. I, all of us wrote articles at some point in time, trying to, to sell, I think ourselves on the fact that Jared Stidham had some upside and had some potential. We were all, that was all a mistake. Like we, none of us ever should have done that. I mean, that was silly uh, looking back on it in hindsight, especially looking at how good Mac Jones played as a rookie. Jared Stidham was so far from even that. So I, I, I just think that that was, that was a big mistake. What, what, what I mean, was your take on the Stidham trade? I wish we still had the video. Do you remember? Because we were live on the air when they picked Stidham. Do you remember my reaction? Yeah, you did not like when the they, pick. Yeah. I shot my head back. I slinked yeah. down in the chair. This is what Jared Stidham was always going to be. A fringe backup. And Bailey Zappi is better now than Stidham ever was. Yeah. They gave it a shot. I, I, I don't necessarily think the 2020 season goes any differently if they don't bring in Cam Newton. Um, yeah, I, they got some for him. It's great. McDaniels probably helping them out, doing them a favor, probably doing Stidham a favor too. Yeah. Giving uh, him a job. You know, yeah. I don't know how long Stidham's on the market. If he gets cut, it's, he's probably waiting a little bit. So I'm happy they got something for him. I also, let me, let me put, point out this. When we did the show on Tuesday, what did we talk about at the end of the show? Patriots are probably going to add a tight end and they were probably going to yeah. move Stidham. Since that show, they've added a tight end and they've moved Stidham. People should listen to us. Nice pat and that was back. not inside information. That was just no. inferring. That was just knowing how the Patriots yeah. operate. Uh, so I'll go one step further here. In the in the past, we've seen the Patriots make a point of keeping four quarterbacks on their roster for camp. Uh, Bill Belichick talked about that last year when Stidham got hurt and they signed Jake Delgala. He talked about we need the numbers. Maybe that's to Eric King. They yeah. listed him as a quarterback, although I we'll see what that is, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots add another, you know, camp arm quarterback here. Nobody major, but uh, Garrett Gilbert got cut by the Raiders to bring Stidham in. 
I'd rather have Gilbert. Uh, but maybe the Patriots bring him back. Some people have brought up Jake Dolgala. I don't know if he's on a roster right now, but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if between now and July 20, whatever it is that training camp begins, if the Patriots don't bring in another quarterback. Jake Dolgala is on a roster. Evan, you want to guess what team Jake Dolgala is on? Green Bay Packers. He was at one point, but no. No, he wasn't. Yeah, that's why I guess them. They do wear green. They do wear green. The New York Jets? Nope. Oh, who else wears green? You're, you're, you're thinking too small. You need to think outside the box here. Oh, God. Is this like a CFL team or something like it that? It is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh, my God. And the CFL season just began, so I would imagine that they're not letting him go anytime soon. So the last thing I'll say about this Jared Stidham trade, I don't want to rag on the guy too much, but I actually think that he has some potential to at least last in the league as a backup. That guy, I don't really know if he has the drive or the want to, though. Like, what's the show that you that you always talk to me about? Blue Mountain, Blue Mountain State. State, Alex Moran. Alex Moran. Is Jared Sidham not the, an Alex Moran type, right? Just a guy that is very, very content with being an NFL backup quarterback, right? That's very content with being on a roster, having a good time, uh, hanging out with his wife. Like, that. that that's Jared Sidham's life, right? I, I don't know if Jared Sidham is in the lab at 6 a.m., uh, working out and, and throwing the football and working with Tom House and doing all these things. He did work with Jordan Palmer for a little bit, I think, but not not a whole lot of, of want to or drive there from Jared Stidham, which I think has really hurt him in his career. Last thing, uh, 2019 draft, Alex, horrible. Looks absolutely yeah. horrible. I hate doing this. Like It's one of my least favorite things to talk about, but it is a talking point that's going to come up. Basically, Damian Harris is it, right? You have Nikhil. Whoa, 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 Jake David. Okay. okay. You have Nikhil. You have Juwan Williams. You have Damian Harris. You have Chase Winovich. And then you have... Uh, I, I have it right here. Do you want me to read it off? Yeah, it's not pretty, but do it. Nikhil Harry in the first, Juwan Williams in the second, Winovich Harris, Yadney Kajust in the third, Stidman Yelda Froholt in the fourth, Byron Cowart, Jake Bailey in the fifth, Ken Webster in the seventh. So Byron Howard, I, not terrible. Like that's an end of the roster player that I think when healthy yeah. can make a team. But man, I, you look at that top of that draft. Really, Damian Harris is the only player that that's that's played and played well. In well, Win- Winovich had some windows. I mean, he had eleven sacks in three years. Fair enough, fair enough. Here's fair enough. what I would say: if, if if we want to hold a referendum on the 2019 draft, I know people can't wait to to put the final nail in this coffin. Yeah. Th- th- today's not that day. You don't need to take a victory like Jared we knew most of us those who had their head on straight knew when they took Stidham this is all he was he was a career backup this is how it was always going to end like I you don't need a victory lap on Jared Stidham you you didn't I just think what's crazy about it is is that in in most likely scenario Nikhil Jawan they already traded Trace Winovich they've already traded Jared Stidham that all those guys are not only going to be you know, not really great draft picks for the Patriots, but they're also all going to be shipped out by the team before their rookie right. contract. Holt's not fired. on the team. You yeah. look at all their 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 first through fourth round. It's the guys left are Kajust, Harry, and Williams. So then, so that's what I was saying. Like, if you want to yeah. hold your referendum on the 2019 draft class, you don't have to wait much longer. You can do it when, like, when Juwan and when Nikhil are gone, which is coming. That's when you get to do it. You don't need to do it today. There's no reason to do it today. You, you just look like a hater doing it today. Nobody thought reasonably that Jared Stidham was going to be the saving grace of this draft class. He was never going to get a second contract. This is who he was always going to be. 
do your victory lap when they when they get rid of Nikhil or they get rid of Juwan. Those guys were brought in to bridge the gap and hopefully help save the franchise. I, we're not doing the 2019 draft class sucked because of Jared Stidham. It's yeah. not what any of this is. That's not what any of this ever was. All right, that wraps the show from a Patriots perspective, but don't log off because we got to do a few minutes on the uh, of the Boston Sportsman. I don't even want to do it, quite frankly, Alex. Like I don't yeah, even no, here's, talk no about I want to do it. Here's your referendum. Let's do um, our referendum. Let's talk um, about inability to build a roster. Let's do this right now because this has been a problem for the Boston Celtics since the end of the Big Three era. This I, team does not, has not, will not value rebounding or size. And I know it's the modern game and shooting threes and all of that. It is basketball. Size matters. You can't teach height. They got, and look, he's had a great playoffs. They got 6'8 Grant Williams down there on the block. Yeah. There is no reason for that. That should be Tice or I get if I get Robert Williams can't play 25 minutes. I get it. He can't give you five at this point. You can't dress him just in case. I mean, rebounding matters. And it's yeah. killed this team time and time again for the last five, six, seven years. You go back and you look at their worst losses. They all have the same thing in common. The other team just cleans up on the offensive glass. 17 to 5 last night in favor of offensive rebounds, including the killer. I know people want to knock Marcus Smart tonight. He's not innocent in all of this. He's certainly not. But the problem in that game, it was a coaching, it was a roster construction issue. When it comes to rebounding, it was a coaching issue as well in terms of who they had on the floor in that minute. And yeah. also, I would say ahead of Marcus Smart, I'm not blaming Jalen Brown for this, but they took Jalen. Jalen Brown was red hot. They took him off the floor for five minutes to start the fourth quarter. There was no reason to do that. They were coasting. They thought they had that game won. They had a chance to twist the knife. Instead, it got flipped back on them. So there's a number of reasons they lost last night. Rebounding, coaching, Marcus Smart, all of it. That, that was a, a, a pathetic showing, but it was not a departure from what we've seen from this team for the last five years. The, the post-Big 3 Boston Celtics, as we've known them prior to January 2022, reared their ugly head again last night. It's a damn shame because they were going to do something special if they just held on. I'm going to fanboy here for a second. I got to be honest with you, Alex. I had a tough time sleeping last night after this game. Like This was, this was their moment because I, I really feel – like they can take Miami or Philadelphia in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they would win that series. They just got to get through Giannis. They just got to get through Milwaukee. And it's not easy. It's much easier said than done. I realize. I don't even know that it was Giannis. No, I'm just saying that if they got over this hump and they won this game five and they got into the next round, I really think we're talking about the Celtics in the NBA Finals in two weeks. Yeah. And now that they lost this game, it feels like they're going to be out and probably in, in six to Milwaukee, and they probably blew a chance to go to the finals. And, and that yeah. to me is what's the most frustrating part about the game last night. There were so many little things, and we talk about details, especially with the Patriots all the time, that add up, right? And I think that this team, you kind of hit on it there from a big picture perspective. The details are why this team can't close games. It's not the it's not the big things. They got the talent, they got the players, they got the depth, they got all the things that they need to be a, a, a make a run at the finals. It's boxing out on free throws. It's not giving up wide open threes and, and coasting in a fourth quarter because you think you have the game won. It's all these little things that add up to big things. And I look at the Bucks, and I think what frustrates me the most about this matchup in particular 
is that you just mentioned height and size and athleticism. The Bucks are literally just the more athletic, taller team on the playground than the Celtics. They're not the better basketball team. They don't play better basketball than the Celtics do. They are just bigger and faster and stronger than the Celtics at some key spots. And the Celtics can't compete with it in certain areas. And it comes back to, to haunt them. I'm not ready to write off the Celtics completely, though, because they have won a game in Milwaukee already. I do think that there is a chance that they win game That's, six. Are you worried at all about what they were saying last night? Not really, because like, what else oh. are you supposed to say after a game like that, Alex? Like, oh, you, you can't, don't you don't point fingers. Go. You don't start pointing yeah, fingers at your teammates. That's what great. you don't do. Yeah. You don't admit you didn't know the play. That's something you could, you know, that's something else you could say after the game. That 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 not just like early twenty this season Celtics. That reeked of like. Late last season Celtics. That really late, like Kyrie Celtics. Right? I was gonna say late yeah. Kyrie Irving Celtics. Yeah. That that there was some regression after they lost last night. And I don't mean to sound happy saying that. Like I'm not cheering for it. I want yeah. basketball in a June. I really do. I'm not ready to just try to watch whatever the Red Sox call what they're doing. I'm not gonna call yeah. it baseball. But oh man, that that it felt like they went back three years in time last night. The second decade or, or the second you went hit like 10 minutes on the clock last night. That hurt. Again, I think they can do it. I, I don't think they're totally out. I'm really worried. I'm not picking them. I'm not picking no. them. No. So I think they win game six in Milwaukee. I do. The problem that I have with it is if they that win that's game that's... six in Milwaukee, they'll win the series. Because then I don't think race so. at all. I don't think so. Game seven, the Milwaukee's already beaten the Celtics twice in Boston, and they have I the best know. player. They have the best player in the series. I can't do another game seven loss at home. I can't I'm do, you, I'm still exactly what from the Bruins in 19. I can't do not, that again. Not only does game seven set up perfectly for this, this downfall, game seven is a one, obviously it's it's a one game series at that point. They have the best player on the floor in Giannis. That has got Giannis' 50-point game to bring the Bucks to the Eastern Conference Finals in the game seven against the Celtics on the road. We're in all over it. All over it. And I, I so I so, I'm just, that's what I'm worried about. And I'm going to be there too on Sunday. I'm going to watch it happen. You're just, you're What's just that? ready for 2012 game six. Against, so you're just ready for 2012 game six against heat again. Sorry. Yeah, Giannis or, or, is yeah, exactly. Or even like game seven against the Cavs a few years ago with LeBron on the Cavs back on Cleveland, right? With the Kyrie and Gordon Hayward were hurt and Jason Tatum and, and uh, Isaiah Thomas. And those guys brought the Celtics to the Eastern conference finals that year. Right. That that's, yeah, that feels like that. Like that. that this they could have like used Isaiah like last night. They could have uh, used Isaiah last night. All right, let's he talk does, about. He's the not going to let him pull apart like that. Let's talk about the Bruins. All right. So I'm going to the Bruins tonight, so everybody oh, can so blame me when they lose in this game six. I like the Bruins tonight too, but I, I also don't like them in a game seven. Right? I think this is kind of a, a similar situation, even though the the venues are different. Uh, this game six here tonight, I, I don't know what Bruins team we're going to get. I really don't know that this is very uncertain to me. I think the Bruins might pull it out, but at the same time, I'm concerned. I don't know. I think there is a chance that the Bruins will let go of the rope tonight. And that worries me. I think it looks right now, like they're going to actually have both of their top two defensemen, right? I believe is the plan. So that certainly helps, but this feels, I mean, this is a classic hockey series where it's so close that the teams just win at home. And that's that. Like that, that's what I see this being. The Bruins are going to win a night. Yeah. Hurricanes in game seven. It just goes straight down, you know, home road lines. Right. And that's that. I, you know, 
I, I do think the Bruins win tonight. I, potentially Patrice. I know nobody wants to say it. Potentially Patrice Bergeron's last game at TD Garden. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, um, even if they win. So I, I, I think they get up for that. I think everybody recognizes the moment for that. But credit to Carolina, man. That's not a traditional hockey market. That that barn gets going. They really yeah. do. Credit to that. And you can tell it's made a difference. So uh, credit to them for that. I think their chance, I think their chance was to get a hot start in game five. They need to get a hot start in game five. They need to punch that team in the mouth. Instead, they let Tony freaking D'Angelo score yeah. a momentum changing goal. And look, the rest weren't great, obviously, but it is brutal. Uh, that, the rest you know, also they, did try to give it back to the Bruins a little bit late. I know it was maybe a little bit too late, but that Tony D'Angelo call in the third period was a gift, and the Bruins just did nothing with it. Right. right? So here's my it works both ways. Here's my rule. Of, like, this is my personal rule for myself. I hate people bitching about the refs because I think at the end of the day, maybe not within the same game, but over the course of a season or years or whatever, I think it all ultimately evens out, right? Look at the Patriots, Sugar Bear Hamilton, Phantom roughing the passer, and then they got yeah. the tuck roll, right? Like, it all, as much as people want to bitch and moan about all the calls the Patriots got in their favor for the last 20 years, go look at the previous 40. So I don't like when people complain about the refs because I think at the end of the day, if you got screwed, the other team probably got screwed at some point before. That being said, I give myself one game a year across all the sports. I get one game a year to blame the refs. And I normally save it for football season because you don't know, right? You burn that game in February. And what if there's some BS that happens in October, right? I, I burned it. I burned it. It was Celtics box game three. Yeah. I said, this is it. This is my game for the year. I'm blaming the refs. The refs absolutely porked the Celtics in that game. So I can't say it was the refs fault. I can't. I'm handcuffed. I'm take handcuffed. Um, it wasn't, you know, it'll, you hope it'll even out. Like you said, maybe it did even out late in that game, but you hope it'll even out. Shout out to the person from DC, by the way, listening to us to complain, listening to us complain about our teams in the playoffs and all of this. Um, and the caps, the caps have made a run, but I, I hope I'm it. wrong with this take, but like our teams are in the playoffs, but are they really contenders? Right? Like that's the Celtics, the, that, are. The Celtics are, they should the be. Should if be. they're not, that's on them. That, I just want to give a be, shout out. They don't play like it. I just uh, want to give a shout out to the DC person for having. We're, we're not doing the Red this Sox. conversation gotta... and then go watch Carson Wentz. No, quick, quick on no, the Red Sox. Really quick, Red... No, 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 we have to. We have to. If Hyam Bloom trades Xander Bogarts in the AFC East, we do, AFC we East, run him out of town. AL East. AL East. AL East. If he trades him in the AL East or the AFC East, because he's quick, <laughs> maybe he can play running back. We run him out of town. No, I get if you're out of it and Bogarts isn't going to resign, you can get a prospect, fine. It hurts, but fine. But do not trade that man to Toronto. Do not trade that man to Tampa. Do not. And I know it's new agey and rivalries don't matter and it's all just math and we have to take emotion out of it. If they trade Xander Bogarts to the New York Yankees, there's no coming back. There is no coming back. That is my Red Sox take. All right. I'm going to the game. I know everybody yeah, in the chat is, is on me. They're, they're saying, don't go, Evan. You're you're cursed. Although the Celtics, the last game I went to, the Celtics uh, did win. That was game two at home, right? Or in this Milwaukee series, I was there. Probably their best game they've played the entire playoffs, honestly. Best game they played against Milwaukee, for sure. So I think the curse has been lifted. I'm going to the game. I don't care what any of you say. And Alex and I will be back on the podcast on Tuesday to uh, break down the defensive side of the football on Tuesday's show this week. We talked offense. We went position by position all the way through the depth chart, all the way through the 90-man roster, and uh, discussed 
all the different options, permutations, all the different things the Patriots could possibly run into on offense. We're going to do the same thing on defense. We're also going to talk about special teams on Tuesday and then next Thursday. Uh, we'll do a Q&A or something like that along those lines. So Tuesday, Thursday, again, next week, NFL schedule release in under three hours here, uh, T minus three hours roughly uh, to the NFL schedule release. So I'm sure Alex will have plenty of content on 98.5, the sports hub.com. It's almost as big of a mouthful as clnsmedia.com. I, I, you know, that one doesn't roll off the tongue either. So I can't, I can't talk, Uh, but both of us will have schedule release content, uh, instant analysis, all that kind of stuff for you guys this evening and tomorrow. So go and make sure you check out both websites to get all of that content over the next couple of hours. Thanks so much for humoring us with the Boston Sports Minute and for listening to the podcast here today and this week, and we'll see you guys next week. Go Bruins, go Celtics, and uh, let's hope uh, that the Game 6s extend to Game 7. See you guys let's next go Game week. 7.